0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very senior and accomplished professional from the US, Mr. Jeffrey M. Roche. Jeffrey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ashutosh, and thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Uh, Jeffrey is the Senior Vice President of National Healthcare Practice and work for. Workforce Partnerships. Uh, He's a future of work and education expert, and he is a DEI and belonging advocate. And Jeffrey has been recognized and felicitated several times. So Jeffrey, uh, before we talk about national health and the future of work, tell me a little bit about your own journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely happy to. So, um, you know, obviously, I actually started my career in hospital administration, uh, without question, significant uh, influence by my mother. Uh, My mother is a nurse. um, And uh, obviously as a child, I can vividly remember her coming home and talking about the work she was doing uh, in labor and delivery, um, you know, which obviously is a part of healthcare that is most of the time, one of the most exciting parts of healthcare. Um, And you know, when I was in college, um, to be honest, I thought I was gonna enter politics. Uh, That was really, uh, always Mm -hmm. has been a major passion and love of mine. Um, had done a, you know, at Capitol Hill internship in Washington D.C. at the Capitol, um, but then really realized that, you know, I did a, an entire semester mm-hmm. at a healthcare system, and I realized the the potential that one could have from an administrative right. opportunity, and that really set me on a path where I landed uh, in my first uh, my first job, uh, which ended up being just under ten years at the same organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a transformative experience because it's also what allowed me to first really see um, the power of mentorship uh, from my CEO, uh, the power of of uh, what I call heart leadership from my CEO, um, and really the the influence that she had, and really setting me up for not only success but uh, a real heart and desire to help and serve others.
0: Very interesting. And you know, let's quickly uh, you know have a quick conversation on the national Health care practice and work for Partnerships tell me about the work you do because I'm eager to talk to you about the future of work
1: yeah yeah so you know I mean interestingly enough obviously the future of work is very very much intertwined in the work that I do in leading our national healthcare care practice and so mm-hmm. uh, core education where I serve is a is a essentially an operating partner to many different small to mid-sized colleges and universities mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. and as an operating partner, Uh, Our job is to really help put them on a path to prosperity. And and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're aware that in the United States, higher education is truly at at a really interesting point in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Enrollments are significantly shrinking, Mm -hmm. uh, yet costs have considerably, you know, uh, consistently have gone up. Mm -hmm. So we're at a really interesting time in higher ed. But but if there's a thread that's clear, and I saw this throughout my career, uh, starting in healthcare and then coming into higher education, Mm -hmm. higher ed like other industries has never been very good at threading strategic partnerships. Okay, um, And so my work is really around helping higher education understand the power, the value mm. and the impact when you do a strategic partnership with healthcare, with mm. IT, with mm. industry. And so a lot of my work is really focused in that in that thread.
0: Amazing. And let's talk a little bit about future of work. So Based on the work that you have been doing in the past in, at the National Healthcare Practice, what are some of the trends you are beginning to see as we move forward beyond 2023?
1: Yeah, well, you know, obviously we're at a really you know interesting uh, point in time globally. There, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at healthcare alone, you know, we have a global statistic that mm-hmm. is frightening, and that's that you know somewhere between uh, 30 to 40 percent if not higher of -hmm. our global clinical workforce has indicated that uh, by, you know, within the next five to 10 years, they're gonna leave healthcare Well, all in all. Mm -hmm. Now, when you couple that with the fact that we have a gray tsunami Mm -hmm. occurring across the country here in the U.S., but also across the world Mm -hmm. of people that have worked in healthcare, whether they're clinical or Mm non-clinical, we're at a really interesting uh, time. And I will often say it's a crisis. uh, Mm -hmm. And I know my colleagues will challenge me on that at, at times, Mm -hmm. Because they feel like when you say crisis, you're you're indicating we're up for something that that's insurmountable. But the reality Mm -hmm. of it is, is that if you don't take a laser focus to address these issues Mm -hmm. with the way we would with a crisis, we're going to only continue to face this because we've been talking about these Mm -hmm. workforce issues for Mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to say that, you know, so we have this significant supply and demand issue, Mm -hmm. not unknown. But the one issue that's really creeped up and, and in many ways it's come up because of the pandemic is in our workplaces we have a significant issue with culture. Correct. Uh, we have not done enough to really create culture that supports, empowers, lifts up all people. Um, and so, when I talk about the future of work, you will always hear me talk about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I'm sure you're familiar with, and, and I'm sure you know many of your listeners will be familiar with. Our Surgeon General, who's also, uh, you know, from India, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Vivek Murthy, who, who, uh, you know, I think the world of Doctor Murthy because mm-hmm. he has realized this issue in this crisis, and he put together a report uh, several months ago that specifically highlighted on the workplace. Mm-hmm. One of the things in there that he highlighted was that was that mental health and belonging mm-hmm. has now become one of the most significant issues in the workplace. Well, you know as well as I do that if you peel back that onion, mm-hmm. false engagement. Is Mm. all over
0: that. Correct. Well said. Well said. And you know, you just spoke a little bit about the pandemic. uh, But the pandemic has already redefined the workplace. I'd love to get your perspective uh, on what do you think has happened? And do you see a return to status quo ante?
1: No, I don't really see a, a return to status quo. What I do see, though, is that to your point, the pandemic changed everything in Mm. the workplace Mm. and so many companies have you know we're forced to go hybrid we're forced to go virtual Mm. uh or remote and the reality of it is is that a lot of companies all sizes were not prepared for that and despite Mm. the fact that we've now been in this uh you know in this new normal or whatever you want to call it uh for over three years they still haven't figured out exactly how you do it Mm. and so there's been a lot more facts and statistics reports Lately that have highlighted that during this time of remote work, mm-hmm. mental health issues have actually increased. Right. Oh, well, when you peel that back mm-hmm. again, it goes back to culture. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what is, what have leaders in the workplace done to create that culture mm-hmm. where an employee feels they can be supported because the reality of it is, is, many people would say people that are working remotely are probably working more hours, uh, they probably have a less work-life balance. Mm. One of the things Dr. Murphy's report called for was that work-life balance. Mm. And so I think um, we have a lot of work to do when it comes to the workplace.
0: Right, right. well said. But it's also believed that most or most of the high-value work will in future be cognitive in nature. How is technology going to change the workplace?
1: Oh I think you know we're seeing technology change in in every way now. I mean I right. think even in healthcare where we're you know continuing to talk about the power of artificial intelligence and and various different modalities we see it significantly changing. Here's the thing though I mean and and, and this is I you know obviously something I regularly speak on as well is that there there's great benefits that technology can have but but mm-hmm. I think what we have to make sure we don't allow to occur is we can't take the human centered aspects out of this. Hmm. And so while technology can be a benefit, we've actually seen in some industries where technology has actually hindered some progress. And I'll give hmm. you a direct example. In healthcare, in the United States, uh, as you may recall, we had a big push a number of years ago for electronic Correct. medical records. Correct. Well, guess what? It's helped at some level, but hmm. it also has taken our providers hmm out of being fully focused on the patient because guess Mm. what they're doing when you're at an appointment, they're typing on the computer. (laughs) Yes, That's not patient care. Mm. That you might as well go talk to the computer and act as if you're providing the computer care. Mm. Mm. So we have to have a balance. Um, And particularly in healthcare, I always say healthcare starts with an H for a reason. It's about Mm. humanity. Mm. And we have to get back to the focus of what we're there to do.
0: Mm. I love this common healthcare starts with H because that H stands for humanity. Fantastic. So, uh, Jeffrey, in an increasingly digital economy, and the adoption of artificial intelligence, and more recently, the hero of technology, I think, uh, ChatGPT. How do you see workplace change? How do you see healthcare workplace change?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's very intriguing because obviously, um, there's a lot to be said about the power of AI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, just this week, I was I was watching a news segment on, you know, how AI is further being, you know, brought into different diagnostic, uh, you know, technologies mm-hmm. that further detect cancer, mm-hmm. um, particularly in breast cancer, and so you know that that type of that type of uh, innovation is so necessary, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely encouraged by it. Where I get a little bit um, concerned, however. Is in a in a world where we have so much cybersecurity hacking occurring, we have to make sure that whatever technologies we have, whether it's the Chat GPTs, uh, whether it's any technologies, particularly in healthcare, but other industries as well, mm. are truly well protected. Um, because it, you know, every day we're getting uh, news of a healthcare system that's been ha- hacked, and patient data is so so important. Mm. Um, know, just recently, the Federal Trade Commission has taken some additional actions here in the United States to crack down, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly on organizations that are sharing consumer protected information without consent. Mm -hmm. So as we further see evolution of technologies, I would just encourage all of us to be mindful of, we still own that information. And Mm -hmm. it's our information, and we have to make sure it's protected. Mm
0: -hmm. Well said. The other thing that I was reading and talking to a few other people Was uh, on the smart machines and the metaverse. And there, people are saying that uh, what used to be uh, distance, uh, you know, healthcare, you know, using those big satellites, I've now started to move into the metaverse. I'd love to get your perspective on how are technologies like the metaverse going to change healthcare?
1: Yeah, you know, th- there's definitely a lot of discussion in this case. And I think, um, you know, like like we've had, you know, before when, when we first saw the adoption of telehealth, mm-hmm. which, you know, you'll, if you recall, at least even globally, but even the United States, Correct. people didn't jump to it. It took a, a little bit of time. And then mm-hmm. obviously pandemic happened and majority of people, were, you know, I shouldn't say majority because let me be honest about technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation today also around techquity. Mm. or tech equity Mm. Um, and here's the thing about technology Mm. even the metaverse um will it happen i'm sure but will it truly move the needle and address health equity is the question Mm. even telemedicine has been cited as as um kind of a have and have nots type of situation depending on where you live you don't have broadband Mm. Uh, depending on your background or your financial acumen, you may not even have access to technology. Mm. And so, whatever we do in healthcare, we've got to again get back to the basics. And it has to be focused on how do we meet the need of every unique individual patient? Mm. And technology can help if it's been developed by individuals who understand equity. Mm. Uh, and I can't highlight that enough because we've seen technology after technology been developed backed by the biggest venture capitalists in the world. Mm. And it still doesn't address issues of equity. We'll never move this world forward if we don't address issues of equity. Well said. Uh,
0: The next question to you is, and you just spoke about the haves and the have-nots. Do you see uh, all the technology and the future of work uh, in the healthcare space actually dividing or creating a bigger divide in the world?
1: It's definitely a pot. It's definitely a possibility, and and mm. obviously we saw that even during COVID. Um, you know, particularly with the vaccination. I mean, look, mm. you know, countries that had um, access, countries that had resources, um, certainly were in a much stronger position than other countries. Mm. And you know, I think what what um, concerns me about this is that you know we sit at a time here in the United States with a pretty divided country. Right. Uh, where if you would speak to half of the country, they don't want to see us helping other parts of the world. Mm. Now. I have a very different take. Mm. Uh, you know, my family came uh, from Germany and left Germany uh, because of the challenges that that existed there, and really the the terrible leadership right. that led to, uh, you know, led to a terrible time and era, uh, mm. not just in German history but our world history. Right. If we do not pay attention, and if we do not, as the United States, do what we can to support other countries, we will see history repeat itself. Mm. Uh, and when history repeats itself, it will pull us back in, and so I'm a firm believer that particularly United States of America has not only a duty and a responsibility, but when it comes to issues of healthcare, um, like other countries that have advanced technology, advanced forms of healthcare, we've got to be at the table to help others. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, let me just say, we have our own challenges here too, when it comes to issues of equity. Mm -hmm. And we've got to address those too. But as a world leader, we need to be willing, able at all times to do the same across the world. Mm -hmm. Well said. Uh,
0: let's now move to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I'd like to get your perspective on how is DEI uh, being handled in the healthcare world.
1: Yeah, so you know, healthcare is definitely a place that um, has made some enormous strides in diversity, equity, inclusion, mm-hmm. and belonging, and it's definitely been wonderful, uh, wonderful to see because it's been absolutely critical and necessary. The reality, though, is in many cases that work was 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 increased or in some cases started Mm. because of the unfortunate murder of George Floyd. Mm. Um, So in the United States, when George Floyd was murdered, many healthcare leaders realized we've got to do more uh, because there was so much conversation on race relations again.
0: Correct. Correct. And
1: when you think about it in 2022 at that time, now 2023, we shouldn't have to be talking about these things Mm. like we have now for the past 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. Mm. We should be able to have systemic solutions in place. Mm. However, healthcare systems have without question um, you know, brought more chief diversity officers on, uh, established diversity committees at all levels. And there's some really, really, really good work occurring mm. uh, to really not only think about it from the employee side, but also think about it from the patient side. Mm. What are we doing to have a more culturally prepared workforce? Mm. What are we doing to ensure that from an employee level, they have the support, um, you know, irregardless of the color of their skin, uh, or regardless of whether they identify as a member of the LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. community. And I can't highlight how important this is, because a good friend of mine, Josh Miller, um, has this great project called the Covering Project. Mm -hmm. uh, In fact, I would encourage you at some point to talk to Josh, because Mm -hmm. the Covering Project Is a really interesting one and and the Mm. idea here is that in the workplace, people cover who they are Mm. and people don't always think about this but it's so true in that people will cover who they are because they're afraid of the repercussions and Mm. a lot of times this comes around issues of belonging. Um, So we have to be really intentional around Mm. this work. Mm.
0: And yet uh, Jeffrey, one of the things I have noticed which is an incredible positive in the healthcare space, not just in the US or India, but in most parts of the world, is that there is an incredible amount of diversity, because of the number of people from where healthcare workers come. And because it's patient lives at stake, equity and inclusion of this diverse group is also very, very enabled. I'd love to get your perspective.
1: Yeah, to a point, yes. But, but. What I would say, at least in the United States, and certainly I can't speak to India uh, Mm -hmm. with the same level of expertise, but in the United States, we definitely see more and more diverse workforces. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What we don't see, however, is more diverse leadership. Okay. And until we see that happen, we're not going to make the changes that are necessary. And so um, if you look at the United States today, even if you look at the the percentage of women that hold leadership roles, Mm -hmm. it's very, very low. Mm. Um, if you look at the position, the, the percentage of, of women and, in other levels of diversity that serve on health system boards, mm. it's extremely low. Mm. And so we have to, we really have to move the needle in that space. Um, uh, mm. just yesterday, uh, earlier this week, we celebrated international women's day. Correct. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about that is, you know, we still have difference of pay. Uh, we have difference of a lot position mm. included and in healthcare, um, I hate to say it, but it's extremely different. Mm. Um, If you're a female CEO, nine times out of 10, at the same size healthcare system, you will be making significantly less than a male counterpart in another. Wow. That can't continue. Correct. um, Because you know what? Look, I'll be the first to say this. I served under multiple CEOs in healthcare. One was a female, happened to be a nurse. Mm. One was a male. And I would I would go toe to toe at any time to say that that female CEO was not only the best leader I ever worked for, mm-hmm. but the best CEO mm-hmm. that I ever worked for. Mm-hmm. And so, um, not we shouldn't have this dichotomy uh, in the United States, nor should we have it anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I
0: and I completely agree with you. I've always said, and I worked with a lot of women leaders in my uh, career. I've always said, in terms of work ethics, I think women leaders women employees score significantly higher than men do you know but yeah. you're absolutely right on that so my next question to you and i've again asked this from many women leaders you know who have got onto boards and you spoke about uh, you know uh, inclusion on boards and i've said that you know yes because of policy because of a lot of talk you found a place inside the boardroom have they given you a voice and majority of them have said no. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: I agree. I agree because the, the reality of it is is just getting to the table is not enough. Correct. Once you've reached the table, it does the boardroom, does the cabinet, does the team uh, really um, provide not only that level of belonging, mm. but do they empower mm. uh, across the board? And so... Um, I've seen it, you know, we all have seen it. We've all served on boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was, again, I was fortunate to to work for leaders who have always believed strongly in these issues. And so what I have done purposely is when I've been on a board where I've seen others um, not allowing other board members to have a voice, mm-hmm. I will always make sure they get a voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the reasons mm-hmm. I leaned in uh, to the issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is not just because as a young child, I was coached on these things from my own grandmother, Mm -hmm. but also because a mentor of mine who happens to be a a global leader in uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, particularly in healthcare, said to me a number of years ago, Jeffrey, use your white privilege Mm -hmm. to get other people not only to the table, but to get their voices heard. She said, if you could do just that, Mm -hmm. she said, you will have accomplished so much of what dr martin luther king jr asked of each of one of us Mm -hmm. and so um that was one of those aha moments for me where she literally said to me you're not doing enough in leadership Mm -hmm. do more and so um i have been intentional uh at times getting into good trouble Mm -hmm. uh it's necessary to say wait a second why are you not hearing what she's saying Mm -hmm. why are you not hearing what they're saying Mm -hmm. and um, as uh, as my as a, my current leader will say to me, you're not afraid to ask any question, are you? Mm-hmm. And so I've leaned in purposely um, because it's really really important that all of us do that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, and
0: more power to you. I mean, I think leaders like you can make a big difference in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So, uh, Jeffrey, I've got time for one more question, and this is this question is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on the incredible amount of knowledge you have, the work that you've done in the work in the world of healthcare, uh, we spoke about future of work and DEI. What would you say are three lessons you would want our young viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and our conversation?
1: Yeah, the first I would say, uh, particularly to a young leader, is don't let anybody define who you are. Mm-hmm. Make it your path your be be persistent Hmm. certainly um be perseverant to ensure that you define who you are correct the second um the second would be be passionate Hmm. whatever you do bring an enormous level of passion uh to that work because nobody can question passion Hmm. um and then the third would be always have a continuous commitment to learning Hmm all of us uh, leaders, I always say leadership starts with L, which mm-hmm. is learning. Um, you And if you're a leader, we have not only a duty and responsibility to learn, mm-hmm. but we also have a duty and responsibility to provide everyone else the opportunity mm-hmm. to learn. Was- and so those were the three that come to mind for Fabulous. me at this. Point.
0: Fabulous. And on, this, on that note, Jeffrey, and your three wonderful lessons, don't let anybody define who you are, be passionate about whatever you choose to do. And the third one you said was have a continuous commitment to learning. And I love the way uh, you also mentioned L for learning is also L for leadership. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own journey. Thank you for speaking to me about the future of work and so many different aspects of how you see the future of work evolving, not just in the healthcare space, but also in, in the US and in the world. Thank you also for talking to me about diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, and some of your deep thoughts on how you are Uh, as someone, one of your friends told you, using your privilege to be able to uh, enforce and make life so much better for people who don't have that. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you.
1: Thank you so much as well. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world.